Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Rare. Um, I'm your host, Ricky, and today it will be just me, myself, and I in this episode. Uh, today I'll be talking about some of my favorite go-to games and some that are just fun to think about and nostalgic for me. But um, enough of the details, let's roll the dice and get this episode started. Today is my solo episode to talk about some games. Um, I have quite a few games, but I don't know if we'll hit all of them, but I'll try to hit as many as I can. Um, it's really hard to narrow down such wonderful games to just a few. Um, so some of these games you've probably heard me talk about, and I probably won't go into as much detail with those ones. And I do have some new ones that um, I am excited to share with you. Uh, I think starting off, we'll go with a good old classic of Patchwork. So Patchwork is a two-player game that was designed by uh, Yui Rosenberg. Um, it is published by Lookout Games and is about 15 to 30 minutes. So uh, Patchwork is a quilt-building game um, where you have to use buttons to buy pieces. And then, so buttons are kind of like your currency and also your victory points, and it is kind of like a button management. Um, you have to be able to pay for each piece that you want to add to your quilt. Um, there is a trackboard that's kind of like your timer. People take turns buying pieces, and if somebody is farther behind, they get to go until they move ahead, or you can pass and move ahead to gain buttons if you can't buy anything. I really, really love this game. I don't really remember when I was first introduced to it, but uh, this is one of those games where I heard about it and found out that there was a game app for this game. And so I've actually mostly played this on the app. I only recently bought a Patrick Halloween edition, which is super cute. It's got little eyeballs instead of um, the buttons. I, I mostly have played this on the app, and what I really like about apps, and you'll find out that a lot of these games that I'm about to talk about have apps, and what I like about them is the fact that you can play by play them by yourself. Um, a lot of times they will have like an AI that you can play against. Uh, a lot of these also have online capabilities, so I've actually been able to play patchwork a lot with one of my friends that lives over in England. So having an app is actually a good way of being able to play with friends at a distance. I know this past year is like kind of mostly ideal for long distance um, things. So uh, if, if there is a game that you really, really like and maybe you don't have people to play with frequently or maybe you just don't feel like uh, getting all the pieces out and setting it up on the table, uh, you, you, a lot of times they do have an app for it. So I would highly recommend getting the app because uh, it still supports the creator. A lot of times the, the apps are officially made by the creator or a collaboration with somebody. So the you're still supporting the, the game. You just might not be necessarily able to support 
you know, a local game store or wherever that you usually get your board games. But the interface for it is still really, really good. I really love it. Um, if I'm just, I, I don't know what to do and I'm kind of on my own, I'll usually pull this game up on the laptop and um, play against the AI. And the AI are actually pretty difficult, I will say. Like, uh, they do have like an easy, medium, and hard but even the easy is is pretty difficult, and sometimes it feels like they cheat a little bit, but they're they're definitely falling within the rules. They just play to, like, they don't necessarily play to fill up every space. They play to get buttons, and so sometimes they come out with, like, 30 buttons at the end, which easily cancels out their spaces, because at the end of the game, if you have any empty spaces, it's negative points. And sometimes just having a lot of buttons can uh, outweigh the negative points. So they, they are actually pretty difficult. I, I would give them two thumbs up on the AI difficulty for that. Um, the next game I'm going to talk about is one... I, I'm not entirely sure. I might have mentioned this. I don't entirely remember. Maybe I brought it up in the two-player episode. Um, is Card Wars. And Card Wars is actually one of the first... Uh, games that we got into when we started going to our local game store. Uh, this was, game was just starting to come out, so we got it and we absolutely loved this game. And we ended up getting like everything available for it. It, I think it's out of print at this time, so it might be hard to get your hands on if you find out that it sounds kind of interesting. But a lot of times you could probably find it on eBay or maybe like do a trade on BoardGameGeek.com. Um, so Card Wars is um, Adventure Time themed. Um, it is from, or it is based off of the Card Wars episode, if you're familiar with that, with Adventure Time. So Card Wars is designed by Matt Hyra and Corey Jones. It was published by Cryptozoic Games, and it usually runs about 30 minutes. So in Card Wars, they usually come in a pack of two. So the very first pack that came out was obviously Finn versus Jake, um, and each one has a different landscape type. So um, like Finn was Blue Plains and Jake was Cornfield. And if you're familiar with the episode at all, Yes, you can floop the pig if you're playing with Finn. It is a card in there. Uh, then they also have a ton of other cards that maybe they didn't mention in the episode, and they have fun abilities. Um, and they came out with several packs. So there's uh, Finn and Jake, um, Lady Rainicorn versus Bimo, uh, Princess Bubblegum versus uh, Lumpy Space Princess, Marceline versus the Ice King. Lemon Grab versus Gunter, and then they ended up coming out with a Fiona versus Cake. Um, each deck plays completely different. They all have like various ways that they play out. Uh, like Finn's deck is mostly about exhausted um, characters, and they play off of each other. If you exhaust them, and exhausting them is if they you kind of like if you're familiar with magic, like you tap it, you turn it onto its side. If it's on its side, it's exhausted. Jake's uh, deck is very good for beginners. It's a very strong deck, but once you kind of pick up the strategies of the other decks, his isn't as good. Um, his is more about like hitting hard and uh, quick. Uh, Lady Rainicorns is one of my favorite decks. It's a Sandy Lands. Um, so her deck is about like you can play a card and then put it back in your hand. And a lot of times when you play one of her cards, 
it does something on play. So maybe it does damage or it boosts another one next to it. So her deck is all about like playing and then putting it back in your hand and then playing it again. The main gist of the, the, the game is there are the landscapes. You play the cards on the landscapes. You have to have enough landscapes to pay for the cards. The cards are usually zero to two. Some of them are a little higher, but they have like um, like, if you play this type of card, this card costs, like, so much less. So, you're usually not having to pay too much for them as you only have two actions per turn. So, if you wanted to play a two-cost two card, that's both of your actions. Um, you can play as many zero cards as you want. Uh, you can play two one-cost cards. Um, or you can draw uh, for an action if you don't have any cards you want to play. And some cards will even give you extra actions to do on your turn. Um, and what you're trying to do is mainly just attack your opponent's creatures and ultimately attack your opponent directly. And whoever gets to, whoever can knock out their opponent first wins the game. So like I said, there's lots of different decks um, and we've played them all. We love all the characters. Uh, we do have our favorites, but this is just one of those games where it was one of our first games that we got to. Like we were trying to get into like Pokemon and Magic the Gathering and this one came out and we're like, oh great, another card game and it's Adventure Time. Like what's better than that? So we got this game and we loved it. And it's just one of those games that every once in a while we'll just go back to our origins almost and play this game. And it's just a lot of fun and it brings back a lot of good memories for me. And us like just having like nights where we just play uh, game after game after game of Card Wars. And it, it, it is very reminiscent of the TV show as well, which I also absolutely love Adventure Time. <laughs> so... But that, that that's Card Wars. The next one I'm going to talk about, and you've probably heard me talk about like a million times, is Sagrada because it is a wonderful classic game. If you don't have it, I highly suggest it. So Sagrada is made by Adrian Ad, uh, Adamescu, Adamescu and uh, Daryl Andreas. It is published by Floodgate Games. It is about... 30 to 45 minutes is one to four players, though there is an expansion out that makes it a five to six players. Sagrada is a stained glass building game. Like I said, you've probably heard me talk about this so many times I've mentioned it. Um, if you want more details on this game, I would check out the very first episode of season one. I won't go into that too much, but I will talk that there is an app for this game. So if you're interested in Sagrada, but maybe you don't have anybody who is interested in this type of game because it is a drafting game. Um, some people aren't super into drafting games, I've found, but I do find a lot of people do like this game. But if you aren't super familiar with like the rules or you don't know how you feel about playing it on your own, I would suggest checking out the app. It does have regular single player mode. It does have an AI mode where you play against, um, you can have it to be one to three other um, AI, so you can play it um, two to four players. And then it also has like a, like a campaign mode where it starts off like with kind of like the easier uh, windows to start off with and then it slowly gradually gets harder. 
So that's always fun. It does have online mode, so you can play with uh, random people across the world, or you can add a friend code in and play with your friends. And then it also, they recently added like a challenge mode where they give you a daily challenge. It usually has predetermined tools, predetermined public goals, and a private goal. And you're just trying to get as many points as you can. You have five attempts before they, it stops like counting towards the like ranks. So you have five chances to get as high of a score as possible. And then you will get like gold if you're in the top five, I believe. A silver if you're in the top 50. And I think bronze if you're in the top 100. So it's just a fun way, like, if you've played Sagrada and you like having, like, a little bit more of a challenge, um, it does add that extra challenge to it. I love sitting down and just playing Sagrada. I have beaten all of the campaign mode, so when they added the challenges, it just gave me another reason to go back to that. I highly, highly recommend it. It is a beautiful, beautiful game on the table and on the computer. And I just, I can never talk about Sagrada enough. It is definitely one of my top favorite games. Uh, And the next game I'm going to talk about is Ticket to Ride. It is another classic. I believe we talked about this in the Gateway Games episode. It is definitely um, one that you should have in your collection if you do not. Though I do understand that Ticket to Ride is not for everybody, especially if you play to block don't be that guy. <laughs> um, it is uh, designed by Alan R. Moon. It is published by Days of Wonder. It is two to five players, and that's a little iffy. Uh, it can vary, and it runs about 30 to 60 minutes, and the only reason I say that the player count varies is because there are several different expansions for Ticket to Ride, and each expansion kind of has its own rules. Some boards or expansions, you have to have at least three players to play, and then sometimes they don't quite go up to five players. It really all depends on which expansion you're playing, but the base game is two to five. So if you just play with the base game, uh, two to five players. So Ticket to Ride is kind of a collection game. You are trying to collect colored locomotive cards to be able to lay your cards onto the board and you also have ticket cards so the ticket could be um in like the base game it could be like new york to san francisco california so you would have to try to connect those two dots on the board and if you do complete it you'll get points Um, but if you don't complete it by the end of the game however many points that card is worth will be subtracted from your total score. So you want to, it's kind of like a a risk, like how much do you think you can do within that amount of time? There are so many tickets that you have to take at the beginning of the turn or at the beginning of the game. And then if you complete those tickets, you can try to push your luck and complete more tickets. But obviously the, the farther into the game you're going and the like, the more your cars deplete, the more you're risking possibly not being able to finish that ticket. Um, I believe in the base game, there are 45 cars. When somebody gets down to two, that triggers the end game. Everybody gets one more turn and then the game is over and that's when you score your tickets. 
So uh, Ticket to Ride also has an app, which I also love to play. Um, you can play ranked, you can play just online with random people, you can play online with friends, or you can play solo against some um, robots. Uh, the robots can be kind of jerks, I'm not gonna lie. It's not impossible to win against them, but they sometimes just block you for seemingly no reason at all. They don't need to even go to the spot that you were trying to go to. They just do it for the fun of it, which is a strategy in that game. It's just people will probably tend to frown at you and be angry with you if you do that. Um, if you ever get the app and you look at people who play online just with random people and they have games set up, sometimes they'll even put in their, like, four-player game, no blocking allowed. Like, they don't, unless you, you, like, absolutely have to take a route from somebody, they f severely frown upon you taking it just to take it. But the, the, the app does have all the, well, most of the expansions, usually, like, the newest few expansions don't get on there right away, but it does have several expansions on there. Um, they're pretty cheap. I, Again, I really enjoy the app. I like it because it's a lot easier. And another fun thing about apps is like they, if you don't know how to play a game, they will teach you the rules, usually pretty simple. And they allow you to not accidentally cheat. And then you can take what you learned from the app and bring it to the table. I find sometimes learning or having to just sit down and read the rules is harder than being shown how to play the game. Like, I, I feel like a lot of times if somebody already knows how to play, it's easier for me to learn the game, them telling me how to play and showing me how to play, than me just sitting down and trying to read through the rules and understand what it is that we're supposed to be doing. So it's, it's all personal preference, but I thoroughly enjoy Ticket to Ride, um, and I love playing it online, and that is another game where I will play it with my friend um, from England, um, because there aren't very many board games that we can play together, because we don't really get to visit each other very often, so uh, there's plenty of times where we just sat down and played a bunch of um, board games online. Another game that I have talked about before in the set collection episode, I believe, is Ethnos. So Ethnos is by Paolo Mori. It is uh, published by Simon, or Coolman or not. Uh, it's two to six players and runs about 45 to 60 minutes. So Ethnos is a set collection game. You start off with picking out six different uh, races, and each race has different abilities. And what you're trying to do is collect either sets of races or sets of colors because it, it's a set collection game and it's also an area control game. So the different regions are have different colors. So if you are playing a set of purple, then you'd be able to set a control marker in the purple region. Or if you had a set of like, like say all giants and you had the leader as purple, then you would be able to set in the purple uh, region as well. So it's all about set collection, but the most important thing is whoever you have as the leader, um, and the leader will determine like what special ability you use when you play that tribe, and then you can play tribes from one to six. If you play more than six, it doesn't really do anything for you unless you're trying to place markers on the board or um, the giants specifically have like a token that whoever has the largest giant tribe um, we'll get the 
marker and it will give you uh, bonus points at the end of each round. So um, maybe you need to play seven giants to be able to get that marker. It's just a fun game. And then uh, in the second half of the deck, because there's a deck where you can draw cards to add to your hand, um, in the second half, there's three dragon cards shuffled somewhere in there. Once all three dragon cards are drawn, then that's the end of the round, or the age, I guess, is the, the term for that game. Uh, if you're playing with more than two or three players, um, you there's three different ages, so you'll, you'll play one age, and then um, you'll kind of reset your cards, but your regions will stay in place, and you'll go to the second age, and then at the end of the third age is the end of the round. And then uh, whoever has the most victory points at the end of the third age is the winner. Uh, with two players, and I think three players, it, there's only two ages. So it's, it's a little bit of a shorter game with less people. Um, another game that we recently bought and got into, and so this is actually a new game. I have never talked about this game before. Um, it is called Horrified. It is by Prospero Hall. The publisher is Ravensburger. It is one to five players and it runs about 60 minutes. So Horrified is probably one of our new favorite games. We really like this game a lot. It's actually, I think, came out last year. So we're a little bit behind on getting into this game, but it is so much fun. Um, it has, it's all about you are a group of people and you're trying to fight monsters and get rid of them. Um, and it is all universal monsters. So Dracula, Wolfman, Invisible Man, Frankenstein's monster and his bride, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon. I think, I think that's all. There's six of them in total. Oh, and the mummy. Um, so at the beginning of the game, if you're starting out, usually you'll play with Dracula as he is the easiest one to defeat. And you'll pick, uh, I think it's the Dracula and the Creature from the Black Lagoon, but once you've played it for a little bit, you can mix up any of the two monsters, or if you want a harder game, which really does make it harder, you pick any three monsters, and then um, you'll, be a, you'll be a character at random, or you can all choose as a group to decide who gets who, and each character has an own, their own ability. Um, like, there's an old lady that I usually like to play with, and she, instead of having just four actions to do on her turn, plus a special ability. She is just five actions with no special ability. Um, another one is um, you can move to any space with a monster in it, which is four actions. And then there's a character that has only three actions, but she can move to any space on the board at any time, as long as it's not a water space. And only the creature from the Black Lagoon can move in the water spaces. So what you're trying to do is there is a map of just a, a random town and there's um, items that are in each location and the monsters have different setups depending on who you're fighting against. Um, for example, Dracula has four coffins that are located throughout the board that you have to um, get to and smash with the various items. Um, so there's red items, blue items, and yellow items. Um, for to smash his coffin, you have to have a collaborative or a collective of red items that cost 
um, that have a strength of six or more, and then you can smash it. And once you smash all four coffins, then you can try to fight Dracula himself. And if you defeat him, um, or if you can get the items to defeat him, then um, he gets taken off the board. And once you defeat all the monsters, you win the game. But it's not that simple because there are cards that you have to draw at the end of each turn that allow the monsters to move around the board and attack people. Um, some of the cards are specifically for specific monsters. Um, so if there's a monster you're not playing against, you'll just kind of ignore those cards. But each card allows more items to come out. Uh, there's usually an ability of some kind that happens, and then the monsters will move if they are on the board, and they will attack if they get into the same space as somebody else. Some of the cards allow vi villagers to come out, and what the villagers do is they are trying to get from one location to another location. So a lot of the villagers you'll will recognize if you're familiar with any of the older movies as characters from the movies, like there's Renfield and Elizabeth and Lucy from Dracula. There's characters that are kind of like Abbott and Costello from Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I think there's Maria from the original Frankenstein. She's the little girl that he uh, has, is unfortunate to meet Frankenstein and he kills her, unfortunately. Um, and there's other characters too. And they're just trying to get, they come out and start out at one location and you as a player need to lead them to their safe zone. Um, but the monsters might come in contact with them and if they do, um, you'll roll dice to see if they attack and hit or miss. If they are hit, they go down in one hit and it raises the terror level. So if the terror level gets too high, the game is over, you lose. So that is the main losing condition. I think that's really the only way you can lose and the only way to win is to defeat all the monsters. So it's a really fun game. It has given us a lot of reasons to really appreciate the old school monsters and we've actually gone back and started watching some of the older movies, but this game is a lot of fun. We find ourselves wanting to play it over and over again. Um, we have played it with two, we've played it with four, I don't think we've played it with three, and I don't think we've played it with five. I will suggest that when you're starting off, even if you're playing with four players, I would suggest only doing two monsters until everybody's super familiar with uh, the game. Going straight to three monsters just because you have more players is not a good idea. There's just so much going on and usually there's a monster constantly moving every turn and it can easily um, mess up what you are planning to do because each monster has their own abilities that they can do. Dracula will a lot of times like hypnotize people and get people to come to his space. I know the Invisible Man, he will go to a space with the most items and it will discard all the items in that space, which can be a huge game changer, especially when you are really relying on those items to be able to do something on your turn. The Frankenstein monster and his bride have a mechanic where they're constantly trying to move towards each other and if they end up meeting then bad things can happen if you don't have like their conditions met to defeat them. So each monster has a lot to bring to the game and it's always fun trying the different combinations and Horrified is actually coming out with an American version 
American Monsters. So um, that will be on the... That should be coming out. Um, they said October, November of 21. Um, so far, it hasn't come out yet, at least. Or if it did, it was very short run and the actual release is pushed back to November. Um, so be on the lookout for that if you're interested in that. Um, the American one will have like Bigfoot and the Mothman, Jersey Devil, a Banshee, I think a couple other ones I can't think of right now. So um, we're actually looking forward to that game since we super love Horrified and we also love uh, American Cryptids. It, like we went to the Mothman Festival like even just a couple weekends ago um, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. So we're very much looking forward to the American Horrified so we can play it another version of a game that we are easily falling in love with. Um, so if you're interested in that, go check it out. I know you can find it at Target for sure. I'm sure you can find it at other places as well. And also be on the lookout for the American Monsters if that sounds more up your alley than the Universal Monsters. Another game that I like to play, especially um, with larger groups, and I find that a lot of people like this game just because it's a little bit more abstract and not quite like a game that you usually see out on the table, it is Dixit. It is by Jean-Louis uh, Rubiera. It is published by Labellid. It is three to six players. And runs about 30 minutes. So Dixit is an abstract game. Um, the the cards are really, really out there and weird, but also very beautifully done. You can get different expansion packs, which add more cards to the game if you have played it and you find that you have seen all the cards. And even though the f cards are really fun to look at, maybe you get kind of tired of seeing the old ones over and over again. They do have different expansion packs, which are done by different artists. So maybe there is a an, an expansion pack from an artist that you know, or maybe you like the artwork a little bit better. Um, you can get those. Um, essentially for Dixit, you are trying to kind of split the room a little bit. So it, when it's your turn, you will give a clue it doesn't have to be a one-word clue, it can be as long as you want, but you give a clue and then you play a card face down um, that you think best represents that clue, and then everybody else will lay a card down that they think matches the clue as well, and then you'll shuffle it up and lay them in a line, and then everybody gets tokens labeled one through six, and then... Once all the cards are flipped face up, they vote on which card they think is your card as the active player. And so what you're trying to do is get some people to guess your card, but not everybody to guess your card. Um, because if everybody guesses your card, you don't get any points. And if nobody guesses your card, you don't get any points. The only time you get points is if you can um, split the room. Um, I find this game is a lot of fun for people who are getting introduced to board games. Um, once you start explaining the rules and maybe do like a, and, uh, like a test round, people find it's very easy to pick up. And sometimes like the clues can be a little fun and it's always fun to see all the different types of cards that are in the, the game, especially if you haven't played it before. 
Um, but I think it's a very easy game to teach and to pick up. And I think it's a fun little party game. And obviously, if your party's not bigger than six people, but I, I find that I don't, I don't think I've met anybody who doesn't like Dixit. So that is another staple I think you should have, especially if you tend to have parties or you want to have a party-like game. Um, I am kind of sad that it has to be at least three people because we usually only have two. So this is definitely a game we ha can only get out when we have people over. Um, but like I said, people usually like that game. Um, the next game is Cartographers. I love Cartographers so much. Uh, it is by Jordi Allen. The publisher is Thunderworks Games. It can run one to 100 people if you really, really want to play with 100 people. <laughs> and it is 30 to 45 minutes. So Cartographers is a flip and write game. So um, you start off with a blank map and then you get uh, cards that flip and there's like little shapes on them and you have to draw those shapes onto the map and um, it is played over different seasons. So it will be spring, summer, fall, winter. There's like little, in the corners, there's like little um, numbers and if the number matches or exceeds the number on the season card, then that round ends. There are ambush cards that get put into the deck each season, so if you use an ambush card, then it gets taken out, but if it doesn't get flipped at any point during that season, then another one gets added the next season, so you have a chance of having two ambush cards in the same season. Or three or four, depending on if you get any of the ambush cards, because one gets added per season. Um, so what you're trying to do is um, score the most points. Each season has a combination of cards, so there's A, B, C, D. So the first season, A, B, B, C, C, D, and then D, A. And so there are four different ways to score, and there's like just different conditions, and there's different like trains because you, as the name suggests, it's cartographers, which is map making. So what you're trying to do is add, you know, forests or villages, farms or water to the board and you're just scoring points. Um, usually there's one for villages, one for farms and water, one for the forest, and then there's one that's more based off of like layout. So maybe um, diagonals or rows or columns. So there's just different ways to score. There's like, I think four cards for each category. So it, there's a lot of replay value in it. And basically, you're just trying to get as many points as you can after all four seasons. Um, it does have a single player mode. So what you're trying to do is just, um, there's like a little chart at the back of the book that runs down like point values and you just compare your score to the scores on the back of the book to see how well you've done. Uh, Cartographers also has an app, but it does not have online capabilities yet. Um, you can either play solo mode um, on your own, or you can try to attempt your hand at the ranked, which has like, there's yellow rank and red rank. So yellow is, there's only set um, 
I think it's set score cards, but the cards that come out are random. And then the red ranked is the cards that come out, come out in the same order every time. And the score is, the score cards are the same. So it's kind of like a evil, even playing field, but you do only get one attempt. So whatever score you get at the end is, you're going to be your score for ranked. So it is a little bit more strict and a little less forgiving than the ranked with Sagrada. I I do really like this this game. I think I've talked about it a lot or like mentioned about talking about it. I do really like flip and write games or roll and write games, which um, Patchwork also has a flip and write game. It's called Patchwork Doodle. So if you find that maybe you don't like Patchwork as well, but you do kind of like a flip and write game, I would suggest playing Patchwork Doodle. I I have heard that people do like Patchwork Doodle a little bit better than Patchwork. Um, It is a little bit more forgiving than Patchwork and you don't have to worry about buying anything um, because you just draw whatever card is flipped during that round. Another game that we end up getting that we really, really like is called Dice Throne. It is by Nate Chatelier or Chatelier, if he's French. I have no idea. Um, And Manny Tremblay or Tremblay. It is produced by Rawstone or Roxley. It is two to six players and runs about 20 to 40 minutes. So Dice Throne is a another card game that also kind of adds like a Yahtzee feel to it because you are also rolling dice to activate abilities. So on your turn you can, there's different phases. Um, There's like a card phase and then a roll phase and then like an attack phase or like the ability phase. So you can play cards to like boost your your character a little bit, or you can use the cards to uh, affect your dice, or you can use cards to affect other players' dice. Um, so you're just trying to roll like your your standard Yahtzee rolls, like um, straights, or four of a kind, three of a kind, five of a kind, um, which would be a Yahtzee. And then there is like the ultimate ability, which is if you get a Yahtzee with like the highest number. So if you get like all sixes, then you can use your ultimate ability, which usually has like undefendable damage. Um, Cause sometimes you can defend or um, roll a defense roll against damage that is happening to you. But if it's undefendable, then you can't do anything about it. You just have to take the damage and hope it doesn't kill you. Um, Each character also has special abilities and status effects tokens. Um, Some of them are can be good, some of them can be bad. Um, Usually the good ones you play on yourself or your team members, depending on how many players you have, and then the bad ones will go on the opponent and or their team. Um, I've never played it with more than three people. Um, Two players, it's just one-on-one. Three players, it's kind of like a king of the hill thing, like whoever has the most is considered to be on top. And so if you target them, you can draw a card at the end of your turn. So there's a little bit of incentive instead of just trying to attack the weakest person the entire time just to get them out of the game. 
Um, four players is where you start playing with teams. So um, you would have like two and two. Um, I'm not entirely sure how it would work with five players. We've never been in that situation. And in um, six, it would just be three v three. There's also a Dice Throne Adventures, which is a little bit more of a like campaign kind of game. We haven't played that yet, but with Dice Throne, uh, they do have Season 1 and Season 2. Season 1, if you want it to be more updated and pretty like Season 2, it is Season 1 re-rolled. And um, the seasons come with, like I think, eight people in each pack where you can also buy them where it's like a player versus a player, kind of like in Card Wars, where it's just like a two-pack only. But all the players play um differently they all have different strategies to how they are played and then um, they are also ranked so if you are looking at i think the barbarian is a one so he's the easiest one to play and then there's a one that's like a tree int and he's a six so he's a little bit more complex there's a little bit more to his character and to his tokens and he's his abilities usually like the higher up you go their abilities are a little bit harder to roll, so you definitely have to do a lot more dice manipulation, where the easier ones, usually they have like um, like a three of a kind or a four of a kind ability, which is usually a lot easier to get than a straight or um, a full house, which is three of a three of one kind and two of another kind. And it isn't just about numbers either. Sometimes it's about the symbols that are on the dice and each character has like different symbols on their dice and sometimes it's like uh as far as symbols like one and two are the same three and four are the same and five and six are the same or sometimes there's like three of a symbol two of a symbol and one of a symbol so even like the dice themselves for each character changes a little bit but it's a really fun game if you're into the more like competitive um one-on-one kind of game or team kind of games where you're just throwing dice and playing cards. It's a little bit kind of a, of a take that because you are trying to get your opponent down to zero. Another card game that I really, really like, and I think we talked about it in the deck building episode, is Ascension. This is another one that I really, really like, and it brings back fond memories because it was another one of like the early games that we got when we started getting into board games. Um, it is a deck builder. Um, it is one to four players. It runs about 30 minutes. It is designed by John um, Fiorello, Justin Gray, and Brian Kibler, and it is produced by Stoneblade Entertainment. I have played this one with three and four four players. I've never played it solo, but I personally really enjoy it at two players, that one-on-one Um, What I really like about Ascension versus some other deck builders is with deck builders, you start off with the same exact hands, and then as you play, you're playing cards to buy other cards, and then you're also defeating monsters, which gives you, like, like bonuses or different abilities. Um, With other deck builders, um, some of them are where you're trying to knock your opponent down to zero, so it's kind of like a, a fighty game on top of a deck builder. But what I like about Ascension is that there's um, little tokens called Honor, and it starts off with a pool of like 60, usually for two players. And as you um, 
buy cards and they have different abilities on them, you'll get honor throughout the game. And then once that pool is depleted, the game is over. And then whoever has the most um, honor or points at the end of the game wins. So it's more of points rather than trying to knock your opponent out, which I actually like. And Ascension has so much um, lore to it. They really thought about the different characters. Um, the characters on the cards have backstories or are important to the story. And there's a lot of expansions and the expansions add more to the story. So it, it's not just a card game. It is something that they have really, really thought about. And it's just, it's a fun deck builder game. If you're not really into the back and forth that you get with maybe like fantasy realms or star realms, I would highly recommend checking out Ascension. And then the last game that I will be talking about and is super cute and I think it would be super fun to play with is more of like a family game, but I've even played it with my parents and I've played it with um, some other people that are my age and they all seem to, to like it. Um, and it is called Dinosaur Tea Party. Um, it is three to five players, 15 to 30 minutes. It is designed by Rob DeVal, J.R. Honeycutt, and Justin D. Jacobson, and it is published by Restoration Games. Dinosaur Tea Party, I think we have also talked about, but this is one of those games where if somebody mentions it, I just like sit up in my seat and be like, yes, let's play that game. Or if somebody is like, oh, what kind of game would you recommend? And if my eyes fall on this game at all, I'm like, oh, let's play Dinosaur Tea Party. It's, it's just like a fun, cute, quick little game. Um, I am kind of sad that it, it has to have at least three players, but it is a lot of fun. I have played it with three players. I think I've played it with four players. I don't think I've ever played it with five players, but I don't think this is one of those games where it really matters too much about the number of players, but it's essentially guess who. So there's a bunch of dinosaurs laid out on a grid on the table, and you have a bunch of little um, tokens in the shape of like little tea bags. And so, um, and then you'll get a card that's, that's, you keep hidden from everybody else. And that's like who you are. And then you ask yes or no questions. So, um, there's like, uh, some dinosaurs that are in a, an orange room. Some of them are in a green room and some of them are in a purple room. And there's like different attributes added to them. Like some of them might have pointy teeth. Some of them might have spines, stripes, um, they might have a pet, they might be wearing a hat, they might be eating cake, they might be drinking tea, or any kind of combination of any of those. So on your turn, you would just point somebody out and be like, um, how, how do you like the green room? And if they're in the green room, they might be like, oh yes, I love the green room. So they'll take their little tea bag tokens, and if they're in the green room, they'll put it out with, um just like the green room side facing up. And so you know that that has been guessed already and that they are in the green room. And if they be like, oh, heavens no, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the green room. Then they'll put that tea bag out. But with like, there's two sides, the other side has an X going over it. And that's showing that they are not in the green room. So um, you know that that has already been guessed and that they're not there. So maybe try the orange or the purple instead. As long as you keep getting yes answers, you can keep guessing. As soon as you get a no, uh, you your turn is done and it moves on to the next person. 
There are three special characters in the game. One um, always says no, one always lies, and one always flips their answers. So those will go out at random at the beginning of the game. And then, so if you're one of those characters, you have to abide by the special rule on that character. Um, so you do want to pay attention to patterns if you suspect somebody might be one of those characters. Sometimes the, the patterns happen by mistake because somebody just happens to be answering that way. Um, but usually is a good indicator that they are one of those special characters if they are answering in a very peculiar way. But I think this would be a fun game for, um, to play with your, like, younger kids to, like, have, like, association, like, associating, um, certain traits with things or, um, kind of, like, finding that person. I just, I just really enjoy this game. I do find that people tend to do, like, silly little voices when they play this game. It's totally not mandatory. It's not in the game at all. It's just one of those fun things that you can add to just make it a little bit more fun and interesting. It also, the, the rules also come with recipes for, like, little finger sandwiches or little biscuits that you can make. And I think it's a really fun idea to, like have like a little tea party while you're playing dinosaur tea party. It's just a really, really fun game and I really, really enjoy this game and getting it out on the table and introducing people to this game. So that was a lot of talking on my end. I'm a little out of breath. Um, I did go through a lot of games. If there are any games that I talked about today that you're interested in learning more about, feel free to reach out. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Facebook is at UncontrollBeFine. Um, Twitter and Instagram is at UncontrollFine. And then we do have a Discord. So um, the link to the Discord can be found in any bio of our social media pages. Come in and join the conversation. If you have any questions, we do have a rare podcast section where you are welcome to discuss games, share any games that you are fond of, or if you want to ask us anything, feel free. Um, we also have a TikTok, which we are trying to add some fun videos to, um, so check that out as well. I think that is also in our link tree on any of our social media bios. So I guess my question is, what is a game that you have that you just, you always come back to it? Like, no matter how many games you get, you could have hundreds of games, but there's just one game that you always want to show somebody else or is one that you are always down to play. All right, well, that's it for me. I'm Ricky, and I will see you next time. Bye!